Sharika Matthews, and you're listening to Orgasmic Relationships, a podcast designed to show women how to create deep, passionate, soul-stirring relationships. Each week, we will discuss topics ranging from dating, situationships, marriage, divorce, and everything in between. So if you're ready to transform your love life and shift your perspective about what's really possible for you, you're in the right place. Well, hello, ladies, and welcome back to another episode of Orgasmic Relationships. I am your host, Sharika Matthews, life coach and relationship expert. And on today's episode, we're going to take a delve into the world of purity culture and how it affects women's views and expectations of themselves and on their relationships. But first, what is purity culture? Purity culture is something that was essentially started in the Christian church and still often associated with the Christian church. And in purity culture, some some versions of it require young girls around the time they hit puberty or around the time they decide they want to start dating to make a public declaration in front of the congregation or just in front of their father that they are going to remain sexually pure or remain virgins until they until they get married. Um, one author who's recounting her, her experience with purity culture, in her words, she says, everyone is expected to maintain absolute sexlessness before marriage. And that means no sexual thoughts, no sexual feelings, or, and no sexual actions. And upon marriage, they're supposed to exactly like flip their sexuality on after being told that sex is bad, you're not supposed to do it. Men are then taught that their minds are evil, whereas women are taught that, that their bodies are evil. Purity culture also teaches women that they are responsible for the sexual thoughts, feelings and choices men make. And so they have to dress a certain way, talk a certain way, or walk a certain way so that you don't inspire sexual thoughts or sexual impurity in men. So as you can see, purity culture takes on a lot of different forms and it shows up in many different ways among different cultures, among different religions. But the but the overall the overall view of purity culture is simply this. Women are taught to feel shame and feel fear anytime that they have a sexual thought or desire sex from a man. And then their value is directly tied to their sexuality. Their value is directly tied to whether or not they remain virgins before marriage. And so with such a skewed view, of sex and their bodies and how we as women are supposed to relate to men, it's no wonder that so many women really struggle in creating intimate relationships that are deep, that are passionate, and that are fulfilling. And because there are so many aspects of this and, and, and it shows up in our lives in so many different ways, I have invited with us today Mrs. Amber Schultz to join me in conversation. Amber is a wife, 
mother and a musician who was raised in a religious cult where purity culture was very much part of her upbringing. And today she is going to share with us her experience, how it has affected her relationships and what she's doing differently today. So welcome to the show, Amber. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me today. I appreciate it. Yes. So Amber, tell us a little bit more about your experience growing up in the cult and, and how purity culture was a part of that. So um, I grew up in a religious subsect of the independent fundamental Baptist movement. Um, and those who don't know about that, it's basically Baptist churches who do not answer to a conference or to any type of leadership above them. Each church is individual, which makes it very easy for pastors or leadership to dictate how we live our lives. And um, from a young age, I was taught that my body was a um, something to be ashamed of because I could very easily cause men in the church to stumble, um, even from a child. Like I remember being three years old, and if I did not wear shorts underneath my dress, I was tempting the older men of our church to have sexually impure thoughts. So I was sexualized inadvertently as even as a small child, and. From that point, moving Hi, forward. Hi, Amber. I think it, we lost you there for a few minutes. I am so sorry. Are you still there? Yes, I am still here. Go ahead. Okay. I am so sorry about that. <laughs> That's okay. Okay. So I don't know where I dropped off at. I'm so sorry. It's okay. Um, you dropped off at, um, as a young girl, you had to wear shorts underneath your dress or else you could tempt older men. Yes. And um, from there, it moved into being trained that um, no, t you could not physically touch uh, the person of the opposite sex, not even in just friendship, like um, outside of shaking hands at church. Um, you could not have friends who were male mm. um, at all. Like we were very sequestered into you could only have friendships with females. So we had no idea how to interact platonically with the opposite sex. Yeah. And um, unfortunately, coupled with that, I was also sexually abused as a child. So there was a lot of shame that kind of came with that because it was my fault. Mm. Because I must have done something wrong to make that person then want to do this to me because I was not doing what I was supposed to do, even as a five, six, seven-year-old child. Yeah. Which, when I was an adult, I understand that was totally messed up. It was yeah. not my fault at all. And um, once I hit high school and I hit that maturity age, I moved into womanhood, um, I was prepped to be married by 18. Wow. We we're going to have babies. Yeah. You know, that was that was what I was supposed to do. And in my mind, I mean, I didn't know any different. Um, my dad would start trying to set it, would set, try to set me up with men at his work that I was, I was 15 and oh, he was, wow. and the men he was setting me up with were 20, 25, 28. Oh my God. Very weird. Right. At the time wow. I didn't know yeah. it was weird, <laughs> but we couldn't conversate. Like it was okay. If you're going to talk to this person you're going to marry this person. There was no, let's get to know each other in a friendship setting. This was courtship. 
Yeah, let me tell you something. If I marry the first guy I talk to, honey. <laughs> right? <laughs> I would be all kinds of messed up. Hold on. You and me both, sister. Oh, my gosh. It would be so bad. Because, <laughs> you know, but, back then, we didn't have the capacity to choose men or choose, no. you know, the right type of person no. to be in a relationship no. with. And even if your father is in a part of the process, there's there's such a difference in who you are at 15 and who you are at 25. And, yes. oh, my gosh. <laughs> yes. It's crazy, isn't it, to even think yeah. that we're that we were told this is what we're supposed to do. Right. And now, as I look back and go, man, those guys were perverts. Yeah. To want to date a fifteen-year-old, or not really date court to marry a fifteen-year-old girl. Right. You know that's to me, it's just disgusting now at this yeah. point. But thankfully, none of those ever worked out. Yeah. You know, something yeah. always came up. But I remember. Around 13, I had a crush on a boy at church, which mm-hmm. I think is relatively normal for yeah. a 13-year-old, right? Yeah. Um, and I wrote about it in my diary mm-hmm. because I kept a journal because I've always loved writing. Well, my parents broke into my diary oh. and read everything I wrote. Uh, yeah. Burned my diary and I was severely punished for the oh. contents of my diary. I am so sorry. Which is very traumatic. Even as an adult, it's really weird. Even as an adult, I have a hard time journaling now because yeah. of that one incident. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it, I was punished because I talked about wanting to kiss a boy. Mm-hmm. And that was just horrible. It was the worst thing I could have put down ever. It's almost like I tried to murder someone. I think they probably would have rather I wrote that down. Probably. I mean, that was the level of reaction. Yeah. Um, and we did, my, my dad was abusive. So it was, a, it was a very harsh, yeah. physically abusive, very harsh punishment. Yeah. So, um, around, um, so I grew, that's what I grew up in. I, there was a guy who was very interested in courting me from around 15 to about 17 and he was actually in my age range this guy yeah, was, okay. which is good. that feels a little bit better um, <laughs> it was a little bit better he was 17 yeah i was 15 so a little bit more normal right but we were not allowed to talk or even make eye contact really until he knew a hundred percent sure that i was the person god wanted him to marry interesting isn't that odd so what so, happened if let's say you had your license at that time and you guys met at the stoplight? You guys couldn't like make eye contact. Wow. No, and he, he was very. I, I tried because I was like a rebellious kid. Listen, <laughs> I was over trying to sneak around, make eye contact, like touch me, maybe look touch the Bible. Like, mm, look at me in my eyes. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> You know, but these, these eyes are temptress, you know, you can't, you can't trust these eyes. So, (laughs) so it was, he was very determined. Um, and in that time frame, I actually went on a mission trip with my church and the, one of the pastor's kids, one of the sons, he actually kissed me on that Mm -hmm. trip. Mm -hmm. Word got out that that happened and the mom of the boy who was interested in me t- pulled me aside and said I was not worthy of her son because I'd kissed another boy. Wow. I was impure. 
And and when you when I hear stories like that, it's so it's so disheartening because at such a young age, you're literally taught to feel ashamed about how God created you. You're you're literally taught to feel ashamed about the desires, no matter how innocent they are, that God gave us. Because we have to remember that that God really did create us with the hips, with the breasts, with the the yeah. eyes. You know, He created yeah. us this way. Mm-hmm. And for us, number one, to to be shamed for kissing a boy or shamed for even liking a boy and then punish for it. And now you're growing up associating with your God-given desires with this is going to create punishment either from my parental relationships or maybe even from God. Were you even taught that part too, where you would be punished by God if you gave into any of those desires? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's, that is, it's such a hard thing. Cause even for me growing up, I was taught kind of the same thing too. I remember at a young age, like you, um, the women in my family, let me tell you, God blessed us with hips. Okay, honey. And so, um, and and my parents try to keep us as covered up as much as possible. So I always wore long skirts and, you know, Mm -hmm. fully covered or whatnot. And I remember one time my mom was fussing at me about switching. And I was like, I am not switching. This is just how my hips move. Right. (laughs) And that, but you know, her, 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 her guidance was you want to cover up and you want to not move too much because you don't want to be a stumbling block to men. And so at that age, I was already told that I am spiritually, emotionally, and mentally responsible for a men's behavior. Yes. And this is what, this is a type of foundation that leads us to being in abusive relationships or toxic relationships or putting a block between how we relate to other people. Like it's, it's a lot. And one of my biggest contentions with the purity culture is the fact that so much responsibility is put on the women. It is Absolutely. our job to save the men. It is our job to mm-hmm. not tempt the men. It is our job to keep the men on the straight and narrow path. It's our job to maintain our virginity. Even when I was um, researching the, the purity culture in different subcultures of Christianity, there is a whole ceremony about pledging your virginity to God and, and pledging yourself to God. But those ceremonies are mostly for women, for young girls. And I couldn't find a whole lot of literature about the any type of ceremonial or any type of um or any type of like ring given for men to maintain their purity. Yeah. Was that available for you for the men? No, not at all. And I had two brothers that came up under I had two I had two younger brothers and the stark mm-hmm. contrast in our upbringing was almost night and day. My brothers were giving almost free reign because they're men. They could go and do these things. They could go and date whoever or court whoever they wanted to because that was their God-given right. And I was brought in and completely sequestered because I, as a female, wouldn't be able to contain myself or keep myself under permission. And a lot of it, I and I have no issue with being teaching abstinence i think it is a good option whenever it comes to sexual 
that women have the option to do that. Well, the danger is, is whenever you start putting that religious twist on it, that if you don't Mm -hmm. keep this abstinence, all of it is your fault. Like you said, the the men that fall with fall with you, you're at Mm -hmm. at fault. I remember being taught that, um, you know, the story of David and Bathsheba in the Mm -hmm. Bible, how he looked at her, he desired her. Then he took her and he killed her husband, basically. Yeah. And I remember being taught that it was Bathsheba's fault. Because she shouldn't she have been, been so beautiful. <laughs> she shouldn't have been bathing on the roof or she shouldn't have gone to the king. And I'm like, now, uh, you know, as an adult, I understand she had no choice right. at all. Right. If you look at the culture, if you look at even um, Caucasian culture with the hierarchy of the kings and queens, you don't have... The option to deny the king anything. Yes. If he wanted you, he got you one way right. or the other. Right. Or you yeah. was dead. <laughs> exactly. Your body would not be found. Okay. You just exactly. disappeared. Exactly. And so it was so ingrained in us that, okay, don't be a Jezebel. Don't be like Bathsheba. She caused David to stumble. Um, and it takes the responsibility off of the man. A hundred percent. Yeah. And, and it makes men look at women as objects. Yes, absolutely. I was just going to say that it creates this ownership type yeah. of relationship. So we're not, we're no longer entering into partnerships or marriage or anything like that. It is for lack of better terms, slave and owner, or um, I don't even know how to explain that. Like, it's just like a slave and owner relationship where the women don't have any type of say so and that's the type of relationship and the type of christianity that that we were basically brought up in where the women didn't have any rights even if you look at the united states government women just got rights what 50 years ago where we couldn't even have a bank account without our husband's um permission or signature ma'am please (laughs) yeah and i mean and i still hear men now in the sub in the culture I, I grew up in say that America has gone downhill because we gave women these rights. Yep. Yep. And I'm like, excuse you. You're just mad that you can't keep the property now and you can't keep the house and you can't keep the kids. You no longer have the control. That's yeah. why I'm angry. It's not the fact that we have the option to do this. You no longer have that power position. Right. Exactly. And and for me, I am personally grateful that we're not under that same type of yes. belief system because can you, I, well, you can't imagine, I was going to say, can you imagine raising daughters knowing that they're going to be a, someone's property, that a man has a right to do anything to her, regardless of what she says, regardless of what she thinks, regardless of how she feels, regardless of any dreams or ambition she has for her, for her mm-hmm. own life her life isn't hers anymore is solely up to her husband. And if yeah. he desires anything, then it's just it, it her, her desires doesn't matter. Exactly. So. And that is so in, is it's crazy how it translates into marriage because um, I remember whenever I got engaged to my husband and um, we were planning our wedding and my mom, my mom, Bless her heart. She was raised in the culture. She has a very traumatic history. So I don't blame, I don't put any blame on her feet, but she finally decided to talk to me about what was expected of me as a wife. 
um, in that, in the sexual area. And basically Um, what I was told is you just do your duty. You do what you need to do to make him happy. Um, Whether you feel like it or not, whether you have a headache or not, you basically, they completely, purity culture takes completely out the ability to have consent over your own body. Yeah. Um, They use verses in the Bible, like the one in first Corinthians, like don't, um, don't defraud one another, you know, give yourself due benevolence because, you know, and they don't talk about men doing that. They talk about women going, okay. They use that and say, listen, you need to not defraud your husband because he has a biblical right to your body. Yeah. And so it really perpetuates rape, marital rape culture. Yeah. Big time. And women are very unhappy, very subjugated because that is, to me, having that sexual control is almost the ultimate form of control because it's so intimate and it's so personal and it's so spiritual, such a spiritual experience for a woman more than I Mm -hmm. think a man that have that broken and that violated. I mean, it's, it's awful. Yeah. It's true. Like you said, it's traumatic. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I know women who um, gave birth and as soon as they were home from having a baby, their husband's like, okay, we're having sex now because you're my father. Mm -hmm. Damn, no, no. (laughs) Why there's a lot of Irish twins in the, like the quiverful, like mentality of the, of the religious, um, religious sex and stuff. And I'm like, it's sad. I was very fortunate to marry a man that was, uh, is a very gentle person. Yeah. He never really bought into the toxic masculinity of the culture. Yeah. And he also grew up with three sisters. So he knew what women were. I mean, the best he could, he knew what women were about. Yeah. And, (laughs) you know, and so he was very, very respectful. And the first time, that, you know, he could tell I just was laying there and taking it because I wouldn't say anything. Yeah. He stopped and he was like, what's wrong? Why, why are you, are you okay? And I'm like, well, I'm not really in the mood for this. And he's like, well, then you need to tell me, communicate to me. I'm not going to force you into anything you're uncomfortable with. Yeah. And that was so foreign for me. I was like, what? Right. Like, I, don't, I don't know what this means. Like, I don't right. understand. And, right. and that's the mentality that a lot of us currently get stuck in in our relationships because we weren't taught how to relate to men in our lives Mm -hmm. because we were never really given permission to speak up for what we want. We don't even know how to communicate our desires Mm -hmm. or even, let's take a step back, do we even know what our desires are? Exactly. (laughs) Because we never thought about it. Our mothers never thought about it. Our our aunts never thought about it. Our grandmothers. No one in our lineage has ever taught us Mm -hmm. the other side of what marriage could actually be and what intimacy, real intimacy, really looks like, feels like, and tastes like. So it's really hard to desire something that you've never seen, heard, or talked about before. Mm-hmm. So okay. how do you make that transition in, in one, learning what you did desire in your relationship and learning to find your voice in it? A lot of it was honestly 
um, he he helped a lot. He gave me space to find my voice. Which Amen for conscious men. Let me tell you. (laughs) I am so fortunate. I am so aware of how fortunate I am. We've been married almost 13 years now. Awesome. Congratulations. It's it's fantastic. And um, he has always been very, very considerate and very good at step taking a step back if he can even sense if I'm uncomfortable and go, okay, do you not like this? Do you like this? And he's also very conscious whenever I finally opened up to him about my sexual abuse, because that's really hard to talk about, too. Yeah, That was very trapped up. And yeah. um, I would tell him certain triggers that I would have sexually. And he would he stopped. He was like, I, OK, I'm not going to do that anymore. It doesn't matter yeah. how small it is or how big it is. It's like he was very gracious with me, which it sounds really that's old terminology in my head. He didn't have no, to. No, that grace is something we need to bring back in today's conversation. We really need to mm-hmm. learn to have grace with one another. Like mm-hmm. um, he was referring to First um, Corinthians earlier. And in that same scripture, it tells us, you know, men, women should submit to their wives, um, to their husbands. But even before that, it tells us that we should submit to one another out of love. And that love mm-hmm. contains grace. That love yeah. contains patience. but we don't talk about that verse. We don't talk about that. We only talk about children obey your parents, wives submit to your husbands. And they always leave out out the fact that God says the man is to love his wife as Christ loved the church. But think about this though. And I don't know if your parents were like this, but some people don't understand how God loves the church. That is very true. It is. Can yeah, we true. start there? Yes, it is true. And there's also another verse. I think it's in Ephesians where it talks about the man's to love his wife as he loves himself. Mm. And but are men taught to love themselves? Men are taught to work. Yep, that's it. And that's the problem: is that the toxic masculinity does not give room for men to truly care for themselves. Exactly. Do not know how to care for their women. Yes. Oh, that you hit that on the head, ma'am. That that is the honest to God truth for 2022. <laughs> I mean, because it I don't even know how to express how much of a a truth that really is, because although I think some men in our generation are much better off than our fathers and our uncles are. They still have not always been given a safe space to be vulnerable, a safe right. space to to say, you know what, I need a self-care day today. Or, you know what, I need to go see a therapist. I need to talk yes. to somebody. We don't always give them that safe space. And on the same token, because we as women, we weren't all we were not only just taught about purity culture, the flip side of that was because we are supposed to submit to our men and men are supposed to own us, there's a certain level of expectation where we objectify men, yeah. where we say men aren't supposed to be vulnerable, men aren't supposed to have feelings, men are just sex driven, work crazed, and hungry for yeah. money, money type of beings. Yeah. And neither one of those are true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so now what I am really grateful for in this moment is that 
there's a, I believe, I truly believe there is a shift in culture, whether you're Christian, non-Christian, Baptist, non-denominational, whatever you right. are, there is a shift in culture in how we view ourselves, how we view men. And we are in this process of learning, of, of unlearning the things we were taught and not taught and relearning that number one, we are human beings. Mm -hmm. Number two, we are we are human, we are spiritual beings having a human experience here. Yes. Number three, God created us. He knows exactly what he gave us. He yes. gave us everything we have. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and, and we are relearning what it is to really love one another, not just in the platonic sense. Yeah. But even in the romantic, intimate sense, you as a mother, you as a wife, you are now embracing this new love. I'm going to call it new love, yeah. but it's really true love, right? Mm -hmm. The true love that God has for us that we have learned through our relationships and then teaching that love to our husbands and teaching that love to our children and yes. teaching that love to our neighbors. Right. Absolutely. And that yeah. is kind of the torch I'm taking now with three daughters. Sometimes three daughters, girl. <laughs> and they're all stair-stepped. I want to have every one of them in puberty in high school at the same time. I don't know what I was thinking. Something wasn't clicking in my head at the time. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm gonna start praying for you right I'm now. Kidding. I need it. I need every bit of it. <laughs> I mean, I don't. I don't think I was that much of a handful growing up. I had to talk to my mom about that. <laughs> but it was just me at home in my puberty. I know I had a little attitude every once in a while, but I can't imagine three of me in the house at the same oh, time. Lord, and there's two of them that are just like me, and it scares me half to death. I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I am in trouble. <laughs> I was always that re I was rebellious. Listen, I did not like I bucked against the system my whole life. And yeah. I'm ho I'm hoping that I'm, since I'm given a little more of a broader upbringing, that's gonna be a little less of a explosion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but with them, you know, they my turning point with how I view purity culture was really when I started having daughters. Mm. Um, I, you know, I really clung to it, um, still. Cause I mean, I didn't know any different mm -hmm. and, um, my husband joined the military early in our marriage and we moved in, we moved to Germany. We, so I left my whole bubble Yeah, exposed to different people of different beliefs, of different cultures, of different, um, backgrounds. And it was the first time I realized there was more of a perspective on the world than just mine. Uh. And in that, you know, I started kind of de started deconstructing little, little bits and pieces of my faith, kind of realizing the crap I'd been taught versus yeah. the truth. You know, like we said, you know, Jesus really loves us this way, not this way kind of thing. Yeah. And whenever I had daughters, I, started having, we started having daughters. I told my husband, I'm like, I'm not raising them the way I was raised. And he's like, I agree. He's like, I think it's double standard. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Yeah. You know, and <laughs> um, because we even talked about the subject of like masturbation, which, you know, mm -hmm. men, it's, it's totally normal. It's normal. Right. But they don't, but if, a, if a woman even thinks about it, 
you're, you're taking nasty. away your yeah you're taking away your purity for your husband mm-hmm. and so i told my husband i hope that's not this is not too tmi for the conversation oh no um, i told him i was like if we had sons and you were okay with them doing this i'm going to be okay if my daughter's doing it i'm like it's it's yeah. not fair to say that this natural sexual progression and discovery of oneself is only okay for the male species i don't agree with that yeah yeah and and i think that it's not like I'm going to sit down and say, yeah, this is how you do it and take them to a sex shop. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I don't, think, I don't think your daughters would, you know, appreciate no. <laughs> that no, level of not. <laughs> Can you imagine doing that with your mother? Oh, my oh, gosh. Man. See, no, but here, here's the thing. I'm that kind of personality. Like, I'll take her just to make her uncomfortable. Be like, mom, look at this. But <laughs> I'm not going to do that to my kids. <laughs> I want to have that open conversation. So if the girls do start exploring themselves, it's not wrong. Because if they can't discover what they desire in themselves, they're going to start searching it out outside of themselves. And that could potentially lead to them having sex at 13 or something. You know, there's just a lot of factors that went through my brain whenever I started having them. And so yeah. it totally changed the approach I had with raising my daughters. So, you know, we've had open conversations about how, you know, babies are made. They don't know the complete mechanics, but they know that it takes a sperm and an egg. Just like yeah. in the animal kingdom, things come together. Right. They have a baby. My my oldest daughter, she's very creative. And she sat there mm-hmm. and she, cause she was asking how, you know, a baby gets in the woman's belly and I was like well it's because the, the boy has a sperm and the girl has an egg and it comes together and it makes a baby and she's like yeah. so I'm like a swirl ice cream I was like yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, I, that for me. I was like okay I, was like, with that. I can I can agree with that I'm like you're all vanilla baby yeah. but you are a swirl ice cream <laughs> I love kids. That is so yes. awesome. <laughs> so, but it, it has really um, helped me grow in my own sexuality. And, and I hope that doesn't sound creepy, but helping my daughters be liberated in themselves has liberated me at the same time because I yeah. can confront a lot of my own demons and a lot of my own past to be able yeah. to then healthily teach them the right, you know, what I feel is the right thing. And yeah, and what you just said, teaching your daughters has liberated you, is exactly the reason why we're here. Mm-hmm. This is exactly the reason why we're on this podcast because what happens is a lot of we don't a lot of us women don't tell enough of our stories. Mm-hmm. You know, we tend to think that what we believe, what we've experienced is just so unique to us that we don't know that other women experience the same thing. Yes. And so it's you're not just liberating your daughters by you being here today. I'm sure you are liberating so many other women because I'm sure there are women who are brought up in purity culture and they're at this crossroads where they're, they may be in a marriage where they're not being fulfilled sexually, mentally, or emotionally. They may be um, still single, but still questioning if they will actually enjoy being in partnership with someone. Mm-hmm. And here you are telling your story of how you started at point A in purity culture. Mm-hmm. And now you're in point B where you're talking to your daughters about sex. Yeah. That is a huge, a huge transformation mm-hmm. 
that many more of us need to see. Thank you. So thank you for what you're doing with your daughters and thank you for what you're doing here today. Thank you so much. I appreciate having the platform to tell my story because I find it's very healing for me to even talk about yeah. it. And, you know, and yeah. I always want to be able to help whoever I can, even if it's one person, you know, that they're not alone yeah. in this whole experience of life and craziness and not knowing what to do in your own body. You know, it's you're right. not alone in it. Right. So let me ask you this one thing. If there was a woman right now who's listening to this podcast, who is struggling with overcoming the trauma of purity culture, because she really wants to experience more in her relationships, what advice would you give her? I would give the advice that I needed to hear at the time that you're, you're worth it. You're, you're enough. You are special and you're unique and you deserve the love and the respect and to have that sexual fulfillment as anybody else, as your, like, and your husband owes you that respect just as much as you desire it. And that he should, you know, you should both take the time to have a conversation, communicate, make sure to, even if it's scary, even if it's uncomfortable, communicate what you need and yeah in your partner you're in you know if you're in a loving relationship they're going to more likely be open to listening to you because they want to please you and help you and and gratify you and they don't know how to do it either so just you know just know your worth know that you're worth being happy so yes yes thank you so much amber if Someone wanted to reach out to you just to connect. Mm-hmm. What would be the best way for them to do that? They can reach me at my email address, which is amberschultzmusic22 at gmail.com. Great. That is amberschultz22 at gmail.com. Amberschultzmusic22. I'm sorry, Amber <laughs> Schultz Music. I should know that, right? Amber <laughs> Schultz Music 22. Yes at gmail.com yes all right well thank you again amber for sharing your story for being for being brave enough to share your story for being brave enough to choose differently for your life and choosing differently for your daughters and i applaud you and i wish you many many more years of happy fulfilling passion relationship with your husband and i wish your children your daughters have the same type of relationship too. thank you so much all right You are so welcome. And until next time, you guys, this is Sharika Matthews, your life coach and relationship expert, and you're listening to Orgasmic Relationships. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.